Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Epiphany Lutheran Church of Mount Vernon, Virginia. We're a congregation of the Metro DC Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And you can find out more about us on our website at epiphanylutheran.org. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. One of the scribes came near and heard Jesus and the Sadducees disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the reign of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The effects of the Reformation were far-reaching on almost every aspect of the church's life, but the whole project of the Reformation is based on a single insight, that we are justified before God by, by grace, through faith, apart from works. This basic principle that is everywhere in the scriptures, but by the 16th century had become obscured by a lot of Christian practice, was reclaimed by Martin Luther and the movement inspired by his challenge at Wittenberg. That we have a relationship with God, that we're worthy of being loved and forgiven by God and by one another, is not because we've done anything to earn it, but because of God because of who God is and what God has done. Within a few short years, the inspiration for Reformation swept across much of Europe. But the reforms were in many ways divisive, and while some political leaders saw advantage in that division and tried to take advantage of it, others were worried about it. And in the year 1530, The Holy Roman Emperor Charles V was in the German city of Augsburg, where he hoped to end the division by brokering a reconciliation between representatives of the Lutheran churches 
Actually, they didn't call themselves Lutheran. They called themselves Evangelische, or Evangelical, or Gospel-centered, and the Roman Catholic Churches. And for the purpose of this meeting, the Evangelische representatives prepared a summary of what the Gospel-centered churches in Germany were teaching. This summary had 28 articles. There were 11 affirmative things that these churches were teaching and seven abusive practices that the evangelical churches had reformed. Some of these 28 articles were one sentence long. Some of them went on for as much as 10 pages. This summary, which we refer to as the Augsburg Confession of 1530, is to this day the official test for what it means to be Lutheran. Here at Epiphany, our church constitution says that we accept the Augsburg Confession of 1530 as a true witness to the gospel. And we acknowledge all churches that accept the Augsburg Confession as one with us in faith and doctrine. Now probably not many of us have read the Augsburg Confession lately or ever, but don't worry, uh, part of my job is to make sure that our teaching here stays consistent with it. And so if you ever do read it or read it again, I'm sure it will sound very familiar. Article four of the Augsburg Confession says that in our churches, quote, it is taught that we cannot obtain forgiveness of sin and righteousness before God through our own merit, work, or satisfaction, but that we receive forgiveness of sin and become righteous before God out of grace for Christ's sake through faith when we believe that Christ has suffered for us and that for his sake our sin is forgiven and righteousness and eternal life are given to us. For God will regard and reckon this faith as righteousness in God's sight as St. Paul says in Romans. Now, at Augsburg in 1530, this statement actually didn't go over very well with the Roman Catholic representatives who were there. In recent decades, Catholic and Lutheran theologians have worked really hard to try to understand each other on this question. And today, our differences are much smaller than they used to be, thankfully. But at the time, the Roman representatives had issues, and one of their complaints was based on the gospel reading that we just heard. The greatest commandment is love. Love of God and love of neighbor. Not faith, but love. And we know St. Paul says, there are three things that last, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is what? Not faith, but love. So, if love is greater than faith, the Catholic representatives at Augsburg asked in 1530, how can Lutherans say that we're saved by faith? Wouldn't it be better to say that we're saved by love? And therefore, isn't it our deeds of love, our works of love, if you will, that make us right with God? It was a question that got to the heart of, I think, what the Reformation is about. And the Evangelische answer to this objection, if you're interested, you can read it in a document called The Apology of the Augsburg Confession, written by 
Luther's colleague, Philip Melanchthon, is quite simple and I think quite interesting. Yes, of course, he says, of course, love is greater than faith. After all, 1 John 4, 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is Trinity. God is a community of persons bound together in mutual love. And God made humanity in the divine image as a community of persons also bound together in mutual love. And God draws human beings into the communion of divine love. That is salvation. To know that we are deeply and passionately loved by God. That God loves each of us and all of us with all of God's heart and all of God's soul and mind and strength. And that we are made able to love in return as God has first loved us. Yes, Lutherans believe all of these things. But, Melanchthon said, here's the thing. Do you imagine that God is hovering over us, checking up on us, to see whether we're fulfilling the commandment to love? Do you think God has sternly ordered us to love God above all things and love our neighbors as ourselves, and God's ready to pounce on us, to punish us for every selfish impulse that we have? That God is always on the verge of condemning us to eternal torment in hell for not being loving enough. If we think that the commandment of love is something that we'd better live up to before God, before God can love us, then we will be deathly afraid of God. And a God we are afraid of is a God we can never love. We can fear God that God, but we cannot love him. What Luther discovered is it's a funny thing about God's law. The higher and more demanding the law is, and what could be higher or more beautiful or more compelling than the commandment to love God with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength and our neighbor as ourselves? The higher the law, the harder it is to fulfill. And therefore, the more we will feel like we have failed, and as failures, we are unworthy of love. The harder we try to love, the harder it is to actually be loved. It's sort of like the old Navy saying, you know, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Some of you have heard that before, right? Um, now, who among us loves our neighbor as ourselves all the time, every day? All of our neighbors. Who among us loves God with all of our heart, 100%, never, ever holding anything back? If God is holding the commandments over us and judging us at every moment and making love conditional on whether we follow the commandment, then the law of love, the highest commandment, is actually experienced as the greatest condemnation. More condemnation is never going to improve morale. It's never going to make us able to love. But, Luther said, as soon as we believe that God is 
who God says God is. As soon as we trust the word of God, that God is love, if we trust that God really is how God is revealed in Jesus, then we will discover that God, in fact, is lovable. If we've come to experience that God already loves us, even before we've done anything in order to deserve or earn it, simply because God has created us to love and to be loved, because God desires more than anything for us to be joined with the divine community of love, just because. If we can actually believe and trust this, that maybe we can relax a little. Maybe we can love God with a little bit more of our minds and hearts and strength. Not because we have to, but because God is good and we get to. Maybe we can be so stunned with gratitude for the amazing grace with which God has loved us that we can show a little grace for our wayward neighbors too. So, the Evangelische representatives at Augsburg explained, faith is not opposed to love. Faith is actually the precondition of love. But this is faith in the perhaps older sense of the word, meaning trust and confidence in the goodness and the graciousness of God. It's not just mental, intellectual assent to some doctrines. Requiring intellectual agreement to certain facts before God can love us is just as bad as requiring deeds of love before God can love us. You know, do we think God sits up in heaven sternly looking into our souls and saying, do you believe all 28 articles of the Augsburg Confession of 1530? Do you really? Because I won't love you unless you do. That's making faith into just another kind of work. Just another thing we have to do to make ourselves worthy of God's love. But that's exactly the problem. If we think we need to do something to earn God's love, <coughs> excuse me, if we think we need to accept the truth of certain facts before God can love us, then we don't have faith. We don't have confidence in the trust of the God who loves us, not for who we are, but because of who God is. The God who makes us worthy, not because of what we've done, but because of what God has done. All we have to do is believe that this is who God is. And yet we Christians seem to have a really hard time letting go of the idea that God is out to get us. Unless we find the magic words or the secret trick to save ourselves from God's wrath. Even Lutherans who ought to know better even Protestants who claim the heritage of the Reformation, how often do we assume that we cannot trust God's goodness towards us? There's this meme going around the internet that to me at least captures really well with uh, what I think a lot of people still wrongly assume the Christian message is. So it's a cartoon, uh, perhaps you can see it, Jesus knocks on the door asking to come in. Why? So I can save you. Like, save me? Save me from what? I'm going to save you from what I'm going to do to you 
if you don't let me in. That's not a promise, right? That's a threat. And yet, how often do people, even today, present Jesus as somebody who's going to save us from God? Who's going to save us from what God would otherwise do to us if we don't believe the right things? But really, we don't need to be saved from God. We need Jesus to save us from ourselves. Luther said the church will always be in need of reformation. And so we are. You know, we human beings have a real knack for turning the good news of grace into one more thing we have to do in order to save ourselves from the wrath of God. But what we should really fear is our impulse to trust ourselves, to trust what we can accomplish by our own efforts, rather than to trust in the goodness of God. We should fear what we do to ourselves when we think that we're not good enough and that we don't deserve good things and that we aren't worthy of love. We can keep beating ourselves up, hoping that one day morale will, will improve, but it never does. Or we can trust the good news that we have heard. The good news that God is good, that God is in fact much better than we ever imagined, that we are loved beyond comprehension without having to do anything to deserve it. All we have to do is accept it, believe it, trust it. Until we trust the goodness of God, we have no hope of fulfilling the law of love. And even then, we'll never fill it, not fulfill it, not completely. But God will fulfill the law of love. And Jesus has already fulfilled it for us. And when the church allows itself to be reformed by that grace, we can again become the place that knows God's love, where despite our idiosyncrasies and our flaws, we know that we are among friends, where we gain the strength to love God and our neighbor, where we can remind one another just how good is our good God. Thanks for listening to our sermon podcast. You're welcome to join us for Sunday worship online or if you're in Northern Virginia in person on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. For more information about us, please visit our website at epiphanylutheran.org.